Good morning. morning. I'll greet you in Jesus' name this morning. I trust you uh, were inspired by the songs we sang, especially that last one. I've grown to really appreciate that song. If you think about it, it's calling us to broadcast the great news that the child that was born way back then is the Lord of the earth. And I don't know if that makes you feel excited or not, but it should. Because that Lord is our Savior. And if you know Him personally, there should be a tingle of excitement that surges through us when we realize that that baby was born so that he could die for not only myself and you, but everyone in the world. And that's who we're celebrating this month with Christmas coming. I invite you to bow your heads in prayer as we pray and invite God to be with us here during the preaching of his word. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, it's to you that we come, and it's to you that we come because we are in need this morning in so many ways. And so would you, would you be mindful of us as we sit and listen to your word this morning? Would you be faithful in meeting the needs of our hearts this morning? Whatever those are, both spiritually and physically, emotionally, mentally. Would you come and minister to us this morning? Father, would you help me as I preach that I would be faithful to the word. Help me to understand better and more clearly what you want for us this morning. For your name's sake and for your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to welcome the visitors this morning. We're glad you're here. There's a number of you. And... We just invite you to be here, make yourself at home. We are, I always say this, but we're just common people, people who love the Lord and want to worship together this morning, and we're delighted that you're here with us. I invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11 again this morning. This morning's message is a continuation of the last one that I preached, and if you remember... um, the last one was the Christian's um, character or distinguishing mark of a Christian is a life of faith. And we talked about uh, a bunch about um, what that faith is. And then towards the end, we talked about uh, how to grow our faith and those kind of things. And 
As I was contemplating about the message this morning, I <clears throat> was just drawn to that whole idea of faith, um, probably because um, in my own heart, in my own life, I have begun to understand that I don't think I, un- I know what it means to live a life of faith like the, the men and women who we read about in Hebrews chapter 11 did. I would like to believe that I do, and maybe to some degree I do. But as I contemplate and think about what these men and women did and how they lived, I, I don't think I'm there. And my assumption this morning is that so many of us maybe are there. Now, I, I know I'm taking some liberty there, so be, be gracious to me, but we're all humans, and we, we'd like to think of ourselves as of people of faith, and, and I want, I think we are, but at what level are we this morning? And if at the end of our life, as with all of these, if there would be a possibility for someone to write in a journal about faith, would your name, would my name be written in that journal of faith? Would people remember me, would people remember you as a person of faith? There are a lot of halls of faith or um, institutes, or not halls of faith, there's, there's a lot of um, whatever you want to call them, um, enshrined places where there's important people documented and they are, um, what I want is the hall of fames. There's a lot of hall of fames out there. And I wonder this morning if, if my name would enter into the Faith Hall of Fame once I'm dead and gone. Would my family see me as a, as a, as a dad, as a husband of faith? Would the church see me as a man of faith, a brother of faith, Someone that trusted God explicitly and implicitly and entirely. We admire people who are, who are heroes. We admire people who, are, um, who catch our attention, who have, who have done great things, who, who are, are lauded for what they've accomplished. And in some ways, Hebrews chapter 11 is that hall of fame when it comes to faith. So I'd like to just take some time this morning to go through verses 6 through 19 and look at what it means practically to be a person of faith. Living by faith, and what does it look like? is the title of my message. Living by faith. And what does that look like? What does it look like to live by faith? And I suppose all of us could probably think of someone in our life 
I know I've heard some of you talk about your grandparents being men and women of faith. Some of your parents, you would say, were parents or, or you would look up to them as people of faith. I personally have looked up to my own mother as, as a person of faith. I've watched her pray faithfully. I've watched her seek God faithfully, walk with him faithfully. And I've seen her face disappointments, discouragements faithfully, as well as my father. So we could all point to some people that we'd probably say, that's what faith looks like. But what does scripture have to say to us this morning? If you were, if I was to ask you or someone was to ask you, what does it look like to live by faith? How do I know that I'm living by faith? And does my faith change the way I live? And if it does, how does it change the way I live? Let's read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 through 19. And I'll be reading in the King James Version. So follow along in whatever version you have. And this is what it says, verse 6 of chapter 11. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into the place which he should after receive as an inheritance, obeyed. And by the way, if you're into this, and I encourage you to be into this, highlight or circle the word obeyed, and circle the word moved in verse 7, or highlight it. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into the place which he should have to receive as an, for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, or I think a better translation would be in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, <clears throat> the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundation with for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I want you to note verse 9 and verse 10. Through faith also Sarah herself, and underline or highlight, received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even, one of, the, even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and the sands which is by the seashore innumerable. Verse 13 through 16, take note. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off 
and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. And I'm going to stop there. What does it look like to live a life of faith this morning? And I don't know if you ever contemplated that. We, we consider ourselves people of faith, and I just want to reiterate what I said a couple weeks ago when I preached the message on faith. And especially you young people, I want you to remember this. And it's, it's good for all of us to actually remember this. But young people, please remember this, that when you became born again, when you are a Christian, you entered into a life of faith, okay? It's not a Christian life, and then you add faith to it. You came in by faith, for by grace are you saved through faith, okay? And it is, your Christian life is a life of faith. What does that look like? How do you live that life of faith? How do you know if you're actually living that life of faith? Does that life of faith make a difference in your life? Does it change how you live? Does it change how I live? What does it look like? What, does, what experiences do we experience in this life of faith? Because we all know that life is full of experiences, but when we are living a life of faith, when we have taken on Christ, our experiences change and they're different. What do they look like? I have four things this morning that I'd like for us to consider in our passage. And the first one is this. The life of faith or faith embraces the whole reality of God. Number one, the life of faith or your faith, when you are a person of faith, it embraces the entire reality of God. It doesn't just know God and understand that there is a God. It embraces entirely who he is and makes him Lord of our life. Hebrews 11, verse 6, which is the first verse we read, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. It is impossible, young people, older people, it is impossible to please God without faith. Do you know that? We cannot possibly please God unless we have faith. 
It says that he is, that he exists. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he does exist, that he is the sovereign God of the universe. How many of you know this morning that God is real? How do you know that God is real? That's the second question. Because all of us give assent to the, to the reality of God. But how do you know that he is real? What's your testimony? What's the reality in your life that God is real? It's easy for me to give lip service to a sovereign God. But it's just as easy for me to be complacent about who God is in my life and in the universe, right? It's just as easy for me to be complacent about who God is. Noah says this, by faith, by faith, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Moved with fear. That's that fear, that word fear in the Old English simply means moved with reverence. Noah understood that God was who he said he was. So the question is this morning, as a person of faith, is that a reflection in our life, in your life, that God is and that there is no other God? A person of faith comes to God with confidence in his greatness confidence in his character because he says he is the rewarder of them who diligently seek him. He is the rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Someone said that a person who is a person of faith wants God and wants him completely. Doesn't want just part of him doesn't want him just when things are tough. But a person of faith understands that he cannot, she cannot live outside of God. You cannot live your Christian life outside of God. Neither can an unsaved person live without God. God controls everything. It's just that the unsaved person has not given themselves to his lordship. But as a person of faith this morning... Is that what I display? Is God my all in all? Is God in my life who he says he is? And have I committed myself to him in that way? Faith embraces the entirety of God. It doesn't just have him when it's necessary. It has him for the entire day, for the entire night, for the entire life. <clears throat> Faith embraces the whole reality of God. The second thing that faith does, this is how we experience the life of faith. The second thing is that faith is obedient. Faith is obedient. It moves in trust and confidence 
with God. Faith is obedience. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen. Now listen, he hadn't even, they hadn't even never, they'd never seen rain. They, they didn't know what a flood was. And yet he moved. The word move indicates that he obeyed. Young people this morning, faith requires us to obey. There is a movement of obedience. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place where he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out. And he had no clue where he was going. The only thing that God said was that I'm going to take you to a land of promise. He didn't say what that specific land was going to be. He didn't even give him the, 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 the... the, the actual course that he was going to take. He said, I just want you to leave what you're familiar with. I want you to leave your family and what you, what you know so well, and I want you to follow me. I'm going to take you to a land of promise. He didn't give any details about it. Faith follows in obedience. It moves in obedience. Verse 11 and verse 17 Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive. Now, you got to think this thing through a little bit. Now, we all know the story because Sarah and Abraham were old people. Sarah was in her 90s. And she laughed at God when when God said, hey, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, yeah, right. I'm too old for this. And then God said, is anything too hard for the Lord? At some point, Sarah, and it, Scripture doesn't clearly say, but at some point, Sarah committed herself to being that mother. She received strength in her body. Somewhere along the line, she had to move into a, an attitude of faith that says, okay, God, if this is what you want, I'm going to be that mother. You're going to have to do something because I'm old. And I don't know if she started getting things around for the baby. I don't know. But just think about it. You mothers, you, you, and especially you older ladies who have had children, and it's been many years since you had children. Think about how that would be. God says, look, you're 80 years old and you're going to have a baby. Would you laugh? But the person of faith comes to a place where it says, okay, God, if that's what you want, I'm here. And they moved towards obedience in that process. They moved towards obedience. Their heart attitude was such that says, I will do what you want me to do. God, I am yours. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried or tested, when his faith was tested, offered up Isaac. And this is, the, this, is where the, this is where the difficulty comes in our Christian life, brothers and sisters, because a life of faith, if we're going to be obedient in our faith, if we're going to be obedient in our faith, you all know that there are times when God says, I want you to give up that special thing in your life. Or I want you to do this rather than this. And this is a pretty important thing to me, but I want you to do this. How many of us would have been willing to take our son 
the son of promise, the one that God said, look, from, from this son, there's going, to be, there's going to be tremendous nations on the earth because of this, this son. And now you're asking me to kill him. You're asking me to give him up. Abraham obeyed. Abraham obeyed. And he took up the knife. And in his mind, Scripture indicates that in his mind, he was as good as dead. He was gone. He had already given him up to God. How many of us, if we're, if, if we're a person of faith, have that kind of fortitude to be obedient to what God is asking us? And many of you here this morning have faced really, really, really difficult situations. And some of you have done very well in your faith. I'm challenged by some of you. And it's encouraging to me when I see people struggling through very difficult things and remaining faithful. Letting go of the things that are important. Saying, you know what, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to be obedient to what he's asking me to do. Because my faith is in him and not in my circumstances. My faith is focused on who he is and his goodness, not on what I'm experiencing. By faith, Noah built an ark. But he didn't tell Noah that he was going to face ridicule. God didn't tell Noah that his mom and dad weren't going to listen to his preaching. God didn't tell Noah that his aunts and uncles would turn against him. His brothers and sisters would, would despise him. God didn't tell Noah that it was going to be long, hard work to build this ark. God didn't tell him that he was going to be alone just with his immediate family in that ark. That's how God does. He doesn't just, he doesn't, he, he rarely tells us the outcome of what he's asking us to do. But he's asking us to obey in faith because he is good. He is good. He didn't tell Abraham where he was going to go. He just said, follow me. I'm going to take you somewhere. He didn't tell him that, that they're going to face some potential bad things in Egypt. He didn't tell him that. He didn't tell him about all the difficulties along the way. And he doesn't tell us the difficulties along our way. He just says, I want you to believe in me. Trust me for who I am and follow me. Sometimes bad things do happen. How do we respond when things that are less than good happen to us even when we feel like we've been obedient in faith to God? How do we respond? This is what it's like to live by faith. Obedience to a sovereign God. Obedience to a sovereign God. The question I want to ask at the end of this little section is, is this obedience a blind obedience? Do we just blindly obey a sovereign God? Do we just blindly obey a sovereign God? In other words, 
Do we just say, well, God said it, therefore I'm going to do it? Is that what we do? Or is there more to it than that? If you think back with me about Noah and Abraham specifically, God calls them his friend. He communed with them one-on-one. There was something happening in the heart and in the soul of Noah and of Abraham that, that, that brought them to a place where they said, I will follow this God. This is God. There is none other. There was a conditioning of their soul to receive the commands of God and to trust him with them. What are we doing this morning on a personal level to condition our, our souls to hear God tell us what we should be doing? Because in the life that we live, especially in this culture, we have so many things that condition our souls against God. And we become complacent towards God. What are we doing this morning like, like Noah, like Abraham, that, that condition our souls in such a way that when God says, I want you to do this, that we, we obey immediately, that we follow him. We don't question necessarily. So there's that. There's that. Conditioning our soul, our inner man, to hear God clearly. The second thing is that makes obedience of faith easier is when we embrace the promises that God gives to us. I want you to, I want you to get this. This is, this is the third thing that a person of faith does. And it makes it easier for us to obey. Faith is persuaded by the promises of God and it embraces them. Faith is persuaded by the promises of God, and it embraces them. When was the last time you read, just made it a point to read through scriptures and highlight all the promises that God has for us? I have a Bible at home that my sister, who has passed away now, took and highlighted all the passages of God's promises and his goodnesses just before she died. She gave it to me. When was the last time you sat down with God's word and you just focused on the promises that he has for you, for me? Every last one of these people, when God commanded something, he also promised something. And if you think about it, that's exactly how God works in our lives today. When he asks us to do something, there's always a promise connected to it. But if we don't embrace those promises, if we don't, if we don't know what they are, we don't, we don't see them afar, like it says here, and we, we don't embrace them, then obedience becomes hard and difficult because we just try to do it in our own will, by our own will. Verse 13, and I'd like for you to turn to that. It says this, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, 
Okay, I want you to understand this. These people all died. They didn't receive all the promises. And yet they knew the promises. And they saw them afar off. And they were persuaded by them. And they embraced them. That means they, they literally welcomed God's promises as something to be reckoned with. God promised this. He's asking me to do this. And with this asking, he's saying, I will also do this for you. And when you think about that, when you embrace the promise, it helps us focus there rather than here. It helps us focus on God rather than here. Noah built the ark because he knew that God made a promise. God promised. He said, I'm going to destroy the earth, but I want you to, I want you to build an ark. And in that ark, I will promise to save you and your family. He took God at, at his word. And that motivated him to move in obedience to build the ark because he knew that God had promised certain things. Abraham said, I will follow you because you promised me something much better than what I have back here with my family and my friends. You promised me something much better over here, and I will follow you because that's my focus. That's where I want to be at. Sarah said, I will give myself to bear the son of promise because you promised, God, that from, from this boy there will be a great nation, that many people will be blessed through this nation. I'm trusting your promise. Therefore, I will. I will not look at my, how old I am. I will not look at how feeble I think I am. But I will trust you because you said this. Do you understand what I'm saying? When was the last time you embraced God's promises and allowed that to motivate you in your life of faith? When God gives us commands to obey, he always gives promises. And true faith always moves because it looks ahead and embraces the promises rather than focusing on the here and now. That's what it means to live by faith. There's a quote that says this, Faith by its very nature is forward thinking. Faith is not satisfied with what is today, but seeks something better. Faith is not... Faith by its very nature is forward thinking. Faith is not satisfied with what is today, but seeks something better. Did you ever think about that? You, as a person of faith, are you focused on the here and now? Me, are we focused on the here and now? Are we focused on, focusing on something better? We all know that there's going to be a better time. We all know that in glory, there's going to be a better time. That should be our central focus but what about next year? What about the year after that? Are we focusing on the promises that God says, I will be with you, I will never forsake you? And on and on and on we go. And let that be the motivating factor for being faithful in obedience and following God. It says about Moses in verse 24 through 27. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the, sons of Pharaoh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in heaven. 
for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And so what, what, what that's saying is Moses looked beyond where he was at. He looked past where he was at and said, I want something better. There is something better out there. Even though it's going to be very difficult, I'm going to face a lot of difficulty. I want something better, and I will follow that. A life of faith will do that. That's what it means to experience faith as a Christian this morning. Fourth and final thing that we want to look at is that faith changes how we live. Faith changes how we live. I'm going to read verses 13 through 16. And I want you to follow along carefully. It says this, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims, on the earth. I want you to highlight that. And confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they come out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Faith changes the way we live. It changes our perspective. What did it say? It says, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. How many of us this morning consider ourselves strangers and pilgrims on this earth? You see, when we are people of faith and we're looking to the promises that are before us and we're following God in obedience, our perspectives and our focus changes dramatically. Abraham, when he was called and, and by all appearance, he was well-to-do back here. He had comfort. Everything was there. When he understood that God wanted him to do something, and he understood the promises that God was giving to him, he said, I'm going to forsake this, and I will follow this. It changed his perspective. He was no longer focused on this. He no longer was so, so in tune with the world he was living in. He was in tune with eternal values and said, I will do that and forsake this. I will follow God. That's what it means to live by faith. Noah, when he said, when God said, I want you to build an ark. And by the way, Noah was about the only person in that time that God noticed because God, Noah was a righteous man. And Noah found grace in the eyes of God, it says. And so God came to Noah and said, I want you to build an ark. Everything stopped for Noah. Everything stopped for Noah. His life as he knew it, his family and friends, all his close friends and his relatives, everything stopped, and he focused on what needed to be done. 
because he had a promise of coming judgment, but he had a further promise of salvation. And he said, I'm going to focus on that regardless of what these people say. Moses did the same thing. It says that Abraham, when he came to the land of promise, he didn't build houses there. Do you ever think about that? He stayed in tents his entire life. He was in tents. He stayed in tents. Why, it says? Because he was looking for a city that was built, that had foundations that was not built by men's hands, but by an eternal God. It changed the way he lived. It changed his perspective. And a person of faith changes their perspective. It's an eternal perspective. We don't feel comfortable here, brothers and sisters. As people of faith, we do not feel comfortable here. The algorithms, the, the, the things that drive this world, the, thing, the, the mold and all of that that, that that is of this world, where in Romans chapter 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All of that changes when we embrace faith. When God is who he says he is, and we believe him for his character and for his promise's sake, we now focus differently, and it changes how we live. We are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. This earth is going to go away. It will burn someday. With all of our houses, with all of our cars, with all of our wealth, with all of what we have, it will all go away. And it should be okay with us because we're focused there. Are we living as strangers and pilgrims here on this earth? I want you to catch a promise. I want you to catch a promise. Something that was encouraging to me as I read this. It says in verse 16, but now they desire a better country. That's you and me. We desire a better country. That is in heavenly. And then it says, the last part of that verse says, wherefore, or because of this, because, our, because we are focused on this life of faith, because we are people of faith, we have changed the way we live. It says, wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. God is not ashamed to be called your God, brothers and sisters, this morning. If you are faithful in your life of faith, God says, I'm not ashamed to be called your God. Now, that almost indicates that God will be ashamed of us. I'm not sure if God can be ashamed or not. But we can bring shame to God by not living out our faith. We can, we can bring shame to God. But he says, when you live this way, when your focus is eternally, and you live your life in obedience to me, I'm delighted to be your God and you will be my people. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this truth.